Thank you, Wolf. You wish to end this? What are you doing? You wish to go home? Then we must stop fighting amongst ourselves and face that the price for it may be dear. I, for one, would rather die than to spend my life in hiding. The sheriff calls us outlaws. But I say we are free. And one free man defending his home is more powerful than ten hired soldiers. Crusades taught me that. I will make you no promises save one. That if you truly believe in your hearts that you are free, then I say we can win. They got armor! They got armor, Paul! Even this boy can be taught to find the chinks in every suit of armor. But we ain't got nothing to eat! What do we need that the forest cannot provide? We have food, wood for weapons. We'll find safety and solace in our trees. Yeah, but what about our kid? Shutters taking all they got, too. And by God, we take it back. tell me that that's the age your frontal cortex is basically fully formed. Whatever that means. Supposedly that's the age at which your brain is relatively finished cooking. I'm not recommending anything in here. And neither is anyone else. This is not any medical information. This is not advice. It is a compendium of one man's experience through the trajectory of the Grand American Decline. This is all a work of fiction, fantasy, and entertainment. Enjoy.
Maverick Matthews, Pepper for Your Steak. I got a quick clip show here for the Easter renewal. It is the beginning of spring. It's amazing to me how these episodes stitch themselves together. Um, we have different media in here. The opening quote comes from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. That's the old school one with uh, Kevin Costner. And yeah, it's a little campy at times. But the message in so much of it is really rings true. It's pretty cool. Um, definitely worth rewatching. The opening music comes from Night Call. That's Sleepwalking. I originally discovered this uh, this music in a in a gym motivation video. In case you're unfamiliar with the genre, gym motivation is like a, it's just like a montage. It's not dissimilar to what I'm doing with a clip show. I guess this is my version of a gym motivation. They take a bunch of speeches from people saying motivational things, Jocko Willink, Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, all these guys giving these motivational talks, and then they put it to really intense music. And that's where that music comes from. And it is interesting in how intense it is. And I was trying to think of a good way to articulate why I would want to put this in a Easter, you know, spring renewal podcast. And the image that immediately came to mind was a seed sprouting from underground. And the question, and immediately the music became congruent with that struggle because it's intense. It's not like when a seed sprouts, it's just, hey, here I am. No problem. I mean, I guess you might plant one on the surface or something like that, but most most births are chaotic and challenging, whether it's an actual child being born or it's the beginning of a new journey. There's always going to be struggle, screaming, chaos when new things begin. I don't know why this is, but it's important to pay attention and observe that this is simply how Mother Nature has designed the system. The restructuring of things is by its nature first something chaotic. And all those components come together as an orchestra to create something beautiful. Incidentally, that's why Watching the orchestra tune up in the beginning is so interesting. It's it's almost a required part of the format, if we're being honest in terms of what art is. Art's supposed to be a different expression of nature. Watching, or excuse me, watching and listening to an orchestra tune up all out of tune, all that chaos and disorder, and then all of a sudden quickly come into tune, into harmony together. That's what this spring renewal is about. That's what Easter is about to me. So the various parts of the stasis through winter, the introspection, the being inside the seed, the preparation for the growth. Well, now they break out of the seed and enter the earth. 
so much renewal. And regardless of what religious background you belong to, you can, we can all agree that this is the beginning of spring, that it is a full moon. These things are inarguable. Seasons aren't going to change and go backwards. And if they do, it would be kind of a big deal for the human animal because it would be the first time in known history. So at least this is one thing that we can all agree upon. Spring is here. It is time for renewal. So thank you for being here. Visit maverickmatthews.com for more information. This is a clip show. Got a lot of clips here, actually. Pretty good number. I'm not going to do any more long monologues. This will be the only one. So thank you for indulging in. Different ideas to turn over here. We have stuff from Joe Rogan. Stuff from all over the place. Let's get into it. This first quote comes from the Heart Wisdom Podcast with Jack Cornfield. Obviously a guest speaker. Still perfect way to begin the consideration of the birth of spring. Pepper for your steak. There's no magic. And the default state of mind is happiness. And there's even a technical explanation. A technical explanation is this. There's a quality of mind called sukha. And the best definition of sukha that I know of is the most technical definition. So the, the other definitions are is bliss, happiness, ease, joy, and so on. But the best definition that I know of is non-energetic joy. It's a quality of the mind. And since the joy is non-energetic, there are two important facts about it, factors. The first fact is that because it's non-energetic, it's very subtle. Therefore, it takes a quiet mind to access. Right? The second fact is because it doesn't require energy, it's highly sustainable. Once you are able to quiet the mind, and excess sukha, you have a highly sustainable source of happiness. And my friends, that is a life-changing insight because that suggests that happiness is not something we pursue. Happiness is already there. All we have to do is learn to access it. Happiness is something we access. It's something we allow. And once you understand that, changes everything in life. And this is only the first step. <laughs> sustainable happiness is only the first step of practice. True sustainable happiness is only the first step in practice. And most human beings, at least in Western society right now, will never achieve it. Most. Why did Mother Nature set up success to be only for the few? And then why did mankind follow and redefine success as materialism instead of connection to the universe? These things I do not know. But what I do know is studying your heart wisdom is a worthy path. So go check out that podcast. Not a paid promotion. Jack has been a spiritual teacher of mine for decades. I can't wait to meet him one day, hopefully. He's not young, so I need to make that happen sooner than later, but 
Go check out that podcast, The Heart Wisdom. More quotes. Moving on. Now, this next piece comes from a movie I've played a lot of clips from. It's called The Edge. It's written by David Mamet. I was reminded again about this movie, which I own. I watch it every season, at least once. I was reminded because David Mamet was interviewed recently by Joe Rogan. Fascinating podcast. Go seek that out. There might be a quote in here from him. I don't think there is. Anyway, he wrote this movie, The Edge. It's about a billionaire. It's a fascinating movie. And they get into the wilderness. I don't want to give any spoilers away. This movie's like 30 years old, but it's still amazing. Anthony Hopkins, Alec Baldwin. Here's an interesting scene with Anthony Hopkins. Oh, I need to rig up a bench rest. Well, an ironing board makes a good bench rest. No disrespect. Uh, I'm surprised you know what a bench rest is. Charles knows what everything is. Got a question to ask him. Charles knows everything. Take a mighty accomplished man to claim that. I didn't claim it, but I don't claim anything. Can you ask him? You see if I'm wrong. Bet you can stump him. Oh, bet you I can. I tell you what. I will give you five dollars. You can tell me what's on the other side of this blade. It's a rabbit smoking a pipe. Hmm. <laughs> a rabbit smoking a pipe. Why in the world would that be, Charles? Uh, it's a symbol of the uh, Cree Indians. On one side there's the panther, on the other his prey rabbit. Uh, he sits unafraid. He smokes his pipe. It's a traditional motif. Why is he unafraid? Because he's smarter than the panther. Yes. So why include this in the Spring Renewal podcast? Because we are all going to have to be smarter than the panther. Now, I always rail against human cleverness. I think human cleverness is the key to our downfall as a species. But being smart is something you become because of an accumulation of knowledge. And you can only accumulate knowledge by experience. Now, obviously, panthers must catch rabbits sometimes. So you can't just be a cocky, clever rabbit. You have to be smart and know that you are training every moment towards that next challenge. This is why I love this movie. There's one more quote from it. Amazing quote. Pepper for your steak. What does that mean? We're in for a bit of a walk. Hey, what the fuck does that mean, huh? What? I once read an interesting book. It said that uh, most people lost in the wilds, they, they die of shame. What? Yeah. See, they die of shame. What did I do wrong? How could I have gotten myself into this? And so they sit there and they die. 
is they didn't do the one thing which would have saved their lives. And what is that, Charles? Thinking. David Mamet is a masterful writer. And Anthony Hopkins is a masterful actor. Go watch this movie, The Edge. All right, not a paid promotion. Just that I just... There's so many things to be learned. You have this billionaire going into the wilderness with all this theoretical knowledge. And he, during the course of the movie, spoiler alert, he, he, re, he essentially confirms that his wife has been cheating on him and he has a lot of epiphanies over the course of the movie in terms of what his life has meant and where he has made pursuits which may have been seemingly fruitful on the surface but empty and vapid in terms of emotional content and the human experience. This is a fucking amazing movie. Okay, I've said enough. Sorry. The next quote comes from The Joe Rogan Experience number 1791. Now, rarely do I give out the exact number, but this is a podcast that is a must-listen. Sadhguru is the name of the gentleman he's interviewing. Uh, It's a very strange name for an Indian mystic who has become very famous. He's the real deal. And he just teaches a doctrine of mindfulness, awareness of the human condition. So without over-explaining what this guy's about to fuck your head up with, consider this. Pepper for your steak. See, if you're looking for inspiration is one thing. If you're looking for instruction, don't look in the book. No. No. Inspiration is different to get you fired up. Once you're fired up, you want to know Now, don't go on reading books. That will not get you anywhere. Action. You have to start delve deeper into yourself. See, essentially, it's like this. If you feel pleasant in your body, we call this health. Yes. If you feel very pleasant in your body, we call this pleasure. If you feel pleasant in your mind, we call this peace. If you feel very pleasant, we call this joy. If you feel very pleasant, if you feel pleasant in your emotion, we call this love. If you feel very pleasant, we call it compassion. If you feel very pleasant in your very life energies, then we call this blissfulness. If you become very, very pleasant, then we call it ecstasy. If your surroundings become pleasant, we call it success. So to create pleasantness in the surroundings, we need the cooperation of people and forces around us. Without everybody's cooperation, you can't create a pleasant atmosphere. But pleasantness of the body, pleasantness of the mind, pleasantness of emotion and energy is 100% your business, isn't it? So if you're feeling ecstatic, you are in heaven. Because your idea of heaven is a very pleasant place, isn't it? Yes. This place, this planet Earth is very pleasant except for the human beings who are creating unpleasantness among each other. <laughs> it is not easy or difficult. Huh? It is a question of wrong direction or right direction. That is, you went to an apple tree and you're digging the roots because you're a potato farmer. That is the only problem you have. You're, you are the source and seat of your experiences within you. 
What happens within you? Should it happen your way or my way, Kelly? Well, it's within me. When you say within me, do you mean my thoughts? Your thoughts, your emotion, your body, whatever, your chemistry, your energy, everything. What happens within you? Should it happen your way or somebody else's way? See, if it happened your way, would you keep yourself blissful or miserable? You would keep yourself blissful if you were wise. If you were wise and your mind was working properly. But if you have mental health issues, that's exactly what happens. If you're filled with trauma, if you're poorly educated, you're starting from a deficit, a severe deficit where you don't think correctly. No? No. That's not that is not the uh, that is not the problem. The the original problem, the root of the problem is this. Let's address one step at a time. Okay. See, right now, the simple question is, what happens in your mind, your emotion, your chemistry, your energies, must be your way, isn't it? Well, it's yours, yes. It is yours, yours. so it must be your way. But it's not happening your way right now because it's in a compulsive reactive state. Okay. So anybody can cause anything within you. So if I decide what clothes you must wear, what food you must eat, what you should do every day, you will call this slavery, isn't it? Or but, the government. <laughs> Don't go there. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, right now, someone else, something else can decide what happens within you. Isn't this the most horrible form of slavery? That someone can decide whether you're happy or unhappy. Yeah, that's not good. That's not good. That's not the best path. So the problem is just this. An intelligence which needs to be conscious is unfortunately unconscious and compulsive. So the only problem that you have is compulsive reaction to life around you. What is needed is a conscious response to life. So this simple thing people have not handled from their childhood. But they want to be conscious. They want to be blissful. They want to be enlightened. They want to be a, a happy person filled with love. What path do they take? What, what steps do they take to correct the, the, the See, uh, journey they're on? Why is, why is it... Though human beings are not the strongest creatures on the planet compared to other species, why is it the human beings are dominating this world? Simply because of our ability to use tools, isn't it? And our intellect, our ability to manipulate our environment. Yes, but even then, if we didn't have knowledge of using tools, the buffaloes would have mowed us down, all right. (laughs) Yes. So your intellect, they don't care. It's your ability to use tools. You made an arrow. You made a gun. Yes. You made so many things. You made a house. Yes. Yes. Uh, everything. All yes. instruments. Right now, microphone. Yes. Or telephone or whatever else. These are all instruments to enhance. We are this much. Because of our instruments, we become that much. Right now, there is one little screw here in this furniture. I will ask you. You are a strong guy. I will ask you to unscrew this with your hands. Can't do it. You do it, you may lose all your nails. I will allow you to use your teeth. Maybe you lose some of them. That's going to be a problem. <laughs> but it will be right there. But if but I, if I give you a screwdriver, boom, do it easy. in a minute, you'll get yes. it out. So right. this is the power of the tool. Yes. So as there are tools for doing things in the external world, there are tools to handle this. Because you don't have a toolkit. This machine, which is the most complex machine, is going crazy. Right now, you're reading in engineering. It's a toolkit. Yes. You just use the tools. Don't worry about the philosophy. Don't worry about belief system. Don't worry about your concepts, somebody's concepts, your beliefs, somebody's beliefs. Just use the necessary tools. Being peaceful, joyful, loving is a natural outcome of that.
he minimizes those tools at the end. Being peaceful, joyful, loving. Those are the tools. It might sound trite. It might sound cheesy to you. Well, then that means you've built a callus around your heart, which needs to be removed. It needs to be scrubbed down. Maybe by working in a soup kitchen. Or just walking the streets and meeting people, human beings. Getting out of your ivory tower, perhaps. Peaceful and joyful and non-adversarial. Instead of deciding to drop bombs and scorch the earth, deciding consciously to de-escalate and come together. Perhaps that's what spring is about because the seed has to become one with the earth no matter what type of adversity they may have for each other. The earth is probably uncomfortable that the seed is in there and the seed is un uncomfortable because it's encased in the earth. This is nature. The tools are always connected to compassion. I don't know why. If I knew why, I would be the Dalai Lama, perhaps. But I don't think he can even say why. He would just say, that's just how it is. And then give like some Zen proverb, like, not always so. <laughs> Okay, a few more clips. Wow. Spring is powerful. The, the, the energy that makes a seed grow is powerful. The blossoming of a flower is powerful. Yet, it must somehow be painful for that flower because all birth is painful. Even the process of me sitting here. Look at the book written by Stephen, uh, Stephen Pressfield, The War of Art. All birth regarding art is painful. It's a process. You have to force yourself to sit down every day at the typewriter. But it's still worth it. It still creates beauty. That is the struggle that spring is all about. Honor it. Allow it to become you. All right, a few more quotes. Pepper for your steak. You think your unhappiness is because of me. It goes on and on because it's under my control now. Yeah. The day you realize my unhappiness, the source of my unhappiness, unhappiness is me, not somebody else. And you take charge of that aspect. There is, there is a method to do that. Once you do that, you're happy. Once you're happy by your own nature, then you will do what is most needed. Because once you're very happy, you have no pursuit of happiness. Your life is an expression of joy, not in pursuit of happiness. This is a shift that needs to happen in the world. Right now, people are in pursuit of happiness. If your life becomes an expression of your joy, rather than being pursuit of happiness, you will start stop squeezing the world the way you're squeezing it. This soil, this environment, these problems, everything is in pursuit of human happiness and well-being. 
do you think that the physical practice of yoga, meaning the exercise aspect of it, alleviates tension and allows people to relax enough to look at their life in a different way? If they do it properly, yes. When, when I say properly, see, people are trying to do it like an aerobic exercise. No. We teach what is called as classical yoga. You don't have to do all these very difficult postures and all that. Most yogis master only one posture. People don't know this in this country. Only one. Like what posture? Anything. They will choose one posture and they will just master that. So actually in the, you know, the traditionally what yoga says is if you master one posture, that means generally two hours, 40 minutes, if you can sit one way, without any sense of discomfort, irritation, agitation, nothing in your system. This is your posture. You just master that one posture. Then the rest of the yoga is internal. Physical body is only that much. <laughs> Two hours and 40 minutes in a given posture. One, the reason, one of the reasons I've included this in here is that I've been a student of yoga for 20 years going through varying degrees of intensity with it and back into a, a stage where I'm doing it again. It's a true connection to your body. It's a, it's a way of demonstrating to your body that you appreciate it. But I studied, I studied classical yoga in college as part of my theater major after I changed it from international business and military to the exact opposite, the expression of humanity. There's no judgment there. This is the path I took. It was strange. When I started doing yoga, it becomes quite obvious that it's a spiritual practice. And, and one of the things he mentions in here is like, you know, people are trying to do it as an aerobic exercise, like Pilates. Pilates is a Luciferian version of yoga. I'll say it right out. Why? Lucifer is not, you know, I'm not talking about the spiritual stuff here. I'm talking about the influence of Venus. Um, it's, it's the influence that makes us aware of the material realm. It's materialistic. So sure, it may get you results in terms of your material body, but it is devoid of any spiritual component because the spiritual component only comes with the slow, reflective, deep stretching, which takes time. Now, what I've just said is probably the most controversial thing I've ever said, <laughs> that Pilates is Luciferian. But by its nature, um, anything which seeks to bind or confine is Luciferian. Now, that's a quote from Rudolf Steiner. Um, and I'm pretty sure Pilates have machines associated with them called reformers. I mean, all the language sounds strange and Luciferian. And so you've taken something beautiful, the stretching of the body in connection with the earth, because ideally you're doing yoga on the bare ground. That's ideally how it's done. That's the most beautiful and incredible way that it's done, is barefoot on the ground. And you look at this development called P 
Pilates that has special socks to keep you from touching the ground, um, machines which you have to strap yourself into. This is not... This is not the true direction. The true direction is a harmony and dance with the earth, not a harmony and a dance with machines. Interestingly enough, Duncan Trussell and Joe Rogan just had some deep talks about what the meaning of humanity integrating with machines might be. And so maybe I'll drop those quotes here. This episode was going to go a lot longer, but I'm going to wrap it up and move into the music. There has already been enough here for deep contemplation. So thank you. Thank you for this indulgence. What a cool time it is to be alive. What a fascinating spring. During the awakening of the human mind because of the emergence of the internet and technology, Strangely enough, this thing which has infected us has also augmented our consciousness. That's what technology has done. It has infected us. You know, everybody stares at these little screens all day, these little rectangles. And yet it has somehow augmented our, our consciousness. And then the augmentation of that consciousness is being hijacked with the woke movement. Oh, let's take advantage Fascinating. We are on the steeper portion of the exponential curve of the human consciousness development. We're, we're getting to the steep portion of the curve. So thank you for being here with me and observing it. Here's a few more weird quotes and then we'll get into the training music. What a beautiful Easter day it is becoming. The snow is melting. The sun is coming out. Giant clumps of snow are falling off these evergreens, blowing through the wind, catching the sunlight. And in the background, far away, dark, ominous clouds bringing more. And our only duty simply to observe and report. So grateful to be here. Maverick Matthews, pepper for your steak. Because at least they'll be a part of it. L l let me explain something to you. One's perception, as you already know, one's perception is one's reality. Okay? You cannot change anybody's reality. If you try to change their reality, you're going to get pushed back. Because they only know what they know. Whether it's real or not, it's their reality. So what you want to do is you want to offer them a better alternative perception and if they resonate with your perception then they will change their own reality because their perception becomes their reality just just a quick example let's say you got a seven or eight year old brother right and he goes to a magic show with his buddies and he comes back and tells you joe you know this magician he asked for a female volunteer and 50 women raised their hand he picked up this one come up on stage he told her to climb into this long box and stick her feet out that hole and put her head out this hole and then he closed the lid told her to wiggle her feet and she kicked her legs and they took a chainsaw and went and cut that box in half. He cut that woman in half. And you're like, uh, it didn't really happen like that. Yes, it did. I was there. You weren't even there. I saw it with my own eyes. You are challenging his reality. He knows what he saw. 
And that magician cut that woman in half. And then to make it even more uh, obvious to you, he tells you that the magician, after he cut the box in half, took the half with the uh, legs sticking out and moved it over here to stage right, and the half with the head over here to stage left, and then he went over there and talked to the head of the woman, and she talked back to him. And then he brought the two halves back together, opened the box, and out popped the woman full form, no blood. He cut her in half and he put it back together. And you're saying, uh, it was just an illusion. No, it wasn't. I saw it with my own eyes. I was there. You weren't even there. So you're, again, you're attacking his reality. He's going to resist. He's going to fight you. All right? So what you do is you offer him a better perception. You say, hey, listen, I hear what you're saying. But could it be possible that just maybe out of those 50 women that raised their hands and he picked one, maybe she works for him? Maybe he planted her in the audience. She knows the trick. She travels to every show around the country with him. And when she gets in the box, there's a pair of mannequin legs laying on the floor of the box that are wearing the same stockings and same shoes that she has on. She picks them up, shoves them out the hole. When he says, move your feet, she just shakes those things. And then she brings her own legs up under her chest. So her, her whole body is on that half of the box. So the saw doesn't even touch her. And obviously, when he separates the two halves... The feet are over there. Now she can't move them. So he has to distract your attention by going over here. So you're not looking at those feet. And he's talking to the head, and she's talking back. Of course, when he brings them back together, she pulls the dummy legs, leaves, leaves them on the floor of the box. She climbs out. And then your brother says, hmm, you know, I guess that would be the only way that would work. You've offered him a better perception. Mm. And that perception then becomes his reality. So don't attack somebody's reality, regardless of what it is, even if you know it to be false. Give them a better perception and allow them to resonate with it. Because it's always better when somebody comes to, comes to the conclusion, I've been wrong. Maybe this, this is something, something I need to think, think about. about. Yeah, yeah, this will work. It's strange to be proud of the collection of quotes that I put together because I, I didn't say these quotes. You know, these clip shows that I do. But I, I am somehow proud to present this information because I, I want people to consider it. I want you to consider changing your mind about preconceived ideas within our society which are not serving us as a team, as a group. And those ideas essentially circulate around the concept of being adversarial. Are we going to fight each other or should we just share knowledge? Is knowledge going to be sequestered privately within the libraries of the Vatican or are we going to give it away to all people? Are we going to sequester our emotional commitment to each other and say only certain people get my love and affection or are we going to give it to all people as a matter of humanity? Now that might sound grandiose, but I would offer as an example the universe which gives its love and commitment to each seed that you plant. Now sure, some seeds don't germinate. There will always be a component, a percentage that doesn't work but that is not the majority, and so we cannot focus on this minority in terms of the human condition. We have to focus on what is natural and normal for most things, and that is most seeds germinate, 
most water quenches most thirst. That's from the Esoteric Mystery Schools. Think about that one. All right. I'm going to do one more quick quote. This comes from Duncan Trussell on the Joe Rogan experience. And I like it just because it's out there and weird. And it's a perfect primer before the electronic music. This electronic music is also intense. Pretend you're that seed. This is the spring. You've been planted. It's time to grow up through that earth. It is not going to be easy. It is dark. There is foreboding. There is fear and loathing, as a certain Dr. Thompson used to say. But we still must push forward. The stone must go up the hill. Thank you for being here. This has been so fun. I don't have a lot of fun these days. It's a lot of work and a lot of toil and a lot of avoiding the station I'm in in life, which is extremely painful. And yet we press on because we know there are better days ahead. I wish I knew the providence of the quote I'm going to leave you with. I don't know who wrote it. But the quote is, let us have hope so that we may live. Maverick Matthews, pepper for your steak. You know, this is this is one of the things that I worry about is that how do we know that we weren't in some spaceship and we got absorbed into some kind of uh, predator, but the way it eats us is not the way a tiger eats you. It eats you by, like, hypnotizing you and then dissolving you for infinity. That's what we call reincarnation. It's just like, uh, it's like, you know, slowly being devoured by an alien that is giving us the impression that we have memories or whatever. Maybe it just wants to toy with us. You know, cats like to play around with things they're killing. They like to let it run away and then catch it. Like, if that happens here, how do we know that's not what we're in right now? Like, we got mm. caught by a very advanced, powerful, cosmic predator being that is keeping us locked into reality. I mean, the, the demiurge, that's what they call it, Gnosticism. Yeah. That could be true. Or it could be just all this chaos is to ensure that we pay attention and we try to improve things. And we realize that no one is no one no intelligent person's running this show. It's impossible. No one can. Yeah, right. And the people that do get a chance to run it, they all go corrupt, because they realize you can't fix it by yourself, and you're all locked in with a culture of corruption and influence. Even if it's not, even if it's legal, it's still you know it's not right. Right. You know it's not right. See, it's like they're doing some sneaky shit, and that's all of them. And so we don't have real leaders. We don't have real. It's, it's hard to find out what the fuck the truth is. Right. And we're being bombarded with bots. Bots, whether it's hired humans that are designed to make up things that separate us or whether it's actual artificial intelligence that's uh, got MAGA flags in its fucking Twitter yeah. bio and they're coming after people. Right. Like a horde. This is, the, this is where, in Buddhism, intention becomes really important, which is because of all this, like because of the... That everything you just described and my stupid idea of us being eaten by an alien or whatever ultimately because reality is so 
incredibly confusing on one level. Yeah. We need something, almost like a mnemonic device, like a simple thing to revert to and all the confusion, which is uh, seemingly the most obvious cliche thing to say, you can always be kinder. Something like that. In other words, in all the confusion, regardless of whether we're being eaten by an alien, a tiger, bots, uh, an AI bot, or just various propaganda mechanisms trying to confuse us all, we need something to revert to that transcends all that shit. Yes. Which is, you can be kinder. Just that basic intent, even if you fail at it every day when you're being a selfish shithead or you're in a hurry or whatever it is, if you keep reverting to that intent, this is the, this, because no matter what, like, if there is nothing after this, if we are trapped in an alien, if we're in hell, if we're in a simulator, if we're in heaven, whatever the thing, reality may be, I think no one at the other end of the tunnel is going to be like, you asshole, you were trying to be kinder all the time when you were around people. You were, you were, you were treating other people with respect and dignity. And you're trying to be kind even though you're in a lot of pain, you're scared and angry most of the time. You were still trying, you dumb shit, because you were supposed to be mean in there. It was mean. That's how you win there. No one's going to say that. No one. No one. So, so that, to me, that's a thing we can refer to. Uh, you can always go back to that. I heard the Dalai Lama say that's not much of a thing to
Are you listening? 